Today, as we look at Mark chapter 9, I want to talk about greatness. I want to talk about greatness, right? Who in here at one point or another, and I want you to raise your hand, this is a safe place, okay? Uh, uh, who in here at one point or, or another has aspired, has desired to be great? Anybody? Okay, all right, all right, a few of you. If your hand's not raised, we should talk. Um, because I want to talk about greatness. When we all set out to, to do a career, right, to join a career, to, to start a career, or to be on a team, to be on a sports team, most of us think about greatness, whether we want to or not. We're all thinking about the position, right? Like, like I didn't set out to be, well, I didn't set out to be a, a, a pastor, um, you know, do, doing this. I set out to be, you know, a youth pastor. But when I set out to do ministry, right, I didn't think to myself as I was sitting in class and as I was reflecting on the call of God on my life, right, I didn't, I didn't sit there and aspire to be the most mediocre pastor ever, <laughs> right? Like, like, that wasn't my goal. It might be now, Right, but but it wasn't my goal. I didn't set out to be right, just average. Right, none of none of us do. Right, if if you were if you were raised in a family of more than one child, you know all about greatness because you want to be the greatest. Right, like even in your even sometimes in your rebellion. Come on, right? You you were trying to be great. Right? You were trying to set a tone. And so, and so we, we, all, we all set out to be great. We want to do great. We want to be great. And, and at times, if we're honest with ourselves, we've even talked about, thought about, wanted to be the greatest. Right? The greatest. Or as we like to call it now, the goat. Right? The goat. Uh, I saw this quote this morning, never underestimate the power of dreams and the influence of the human spirit. We are all the same in this notion. The potential for greatness lives within each of us. The potential for greatness lives within each of us. But in order for us to talk about greatness, and especially in a church context, in a biblical context, we've got to come at this with the belief and the knowledge of the truth that the road to true greatness is only found, everybody say only, it's only found in following Jesus. A guy by the name of Tony Morita said that the good news of Jesus frees us from the addiction to ourselves. And so, and so when we think about that, when we think about that for just a moment, the, the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus frees us from the addiction to ourselves. When we're wanting to be great, when we have this desire to be the greatest, right, the greatest, and, and, and I know what that's like. I'm the youngest of three boys, and so I'm the greatest, right? The youngest, always the favorite, right? I can say that. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> One of my brothers isn't in the state, and the other one can't talk. So I'm safe in saying that. <laughs> There's zero repercussion for that. My mom's back there, and she probably said amen. <laughs> right? But, 
But there's this addiction to ourselves and before Jesus and even after Jesus for some, when, when, when we realize, um, right, our deficit, our need for Christ and, our, and salvation, right, before Jesus and even after that for some, we're addicted to ourselves. We're addicted to ourselves. This, this addiction to ourselves. We're not interested in serving. We're not as interested in serving as we are being served. We're not as interested in giving as we are receiving. We're not as interested in pursuing God's way as we are getting our own way. We're not as interested in being the least as we are the greatest. And this passage, Mark, Mark chapter 9, and in chapter 8, the, the passage that Dylan preached on last week, that's where we see it transition into the second piece of what Mark is, is all about. The first one is all about come and see, right? The, the learn, repent and believe. The second is all about go and do, go and tell. And we're right in the middle of the transition, what, 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 what scholars call the discipleship discourse, where Jesus is really prepping the 12 disciples, where Jesus is really prepping the 12 disciples to do as he has done and is doing. And so the discipleship discourse is what this section of scripture is called. There is much focus on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. There's much focus on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, I want to show you just real quick what it looks like to disciple someone, okay? I, I want to show you what it looks like to disciple someone, all right? Josh, come here. Come, come right here. Just stand, just stand right here, okay? You'll be in the camera if you just stand right here, okay? Leave your hat on the seat. No, leave your hat on the seat. Okay, come on. All right, all right. Stand, stand, turn around so that people can see you, okay? Josh, this is Josh Batman, okay? Okay? Plus, that way the, the hat's hidden from the camera, Okay. <laughs> Okay, um, and so, so discipleship, this, this was the life of Jesus. This was the ministry of Jesus. This was the whole point. And honestly, if, if you're kicking the tires of church, and especially Summit Church, this is what Summit Church was built on, okay? And so, so Josh, what do you want to learn from, from me? What's something you've always wanted to... From you? Yeah. Okay, somebody else. No, um, <laughs> Josh, Josh, I'm, I'm going to teach you today. I'm going to teach you today uh, how to shoot a jump shot. Does that sound good? How to shoot a jump shot? Okay, basketball. You know basketball. Okay, basketball. Okay, basketball. All right, I'm going to teach you how to shoot a jump shot. Okay, so, so in, in discipleship, right? And this, this would be true for woodworking. This would be true for cars. This would be true for, for all types of things, right? We disciple people. We, the question is not whether or not we're discipling. It's what we're discipling people in. Right? And, and a lot of us, a lot of us choose to disciple people in so many things that have nothing to do with Jesus. And that's the reason I feel like we're so out of whack and all focus. Okay? But that's a different message. All right? So let me just talk to you about discipleship. If I'm going to disciple Josh and how to shoot a jump shot, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to shoot a jump shot and I'm going to tell Josh to watch. Okay? I do, you watch. Okay, and so you're gonna you're gonna sit there and you're gonna watch the form, and I'm gonna point some things out to you. Point the elbow at the basket, all the things. Reach your hand in the cookie jar on top of the refrigerator when mom and dad are trying to hide the cookies. Okay, I'm gonna do that, right? And so I, I'm, I do. You watch. Now the second time, okay, and, and this is a little awkward when it comes to 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 shooting a jump shot, but but just follow me, okay? The second step is I'm gonna do. You're gonna help. So. 
the way I would do that is I wouldn't have you come up here and right, position me, but I would say, okay, now, now is, does this look like good form? No. No, why not? Because your hand's too low. My hand's too low, and my elbow's pointed out here, right? right. So it's not, it's not pointed in the right direction. So I've got to bring it in, right? Squeeze right. the armpit, as I like to tell kids, okay? All right? And then, so, so I'm doing, but you're helping. And then we get to the third stage where you're going to do, and I'm going to help. So show me your form. Okay, that's good. That's, that looks great. Okay. Yeah, let's uh, come see me this week. We'll talk. Okay. All right. Right. So, so I'm gonna, he's going to do, but I'm going to help. Many of us, when it comes to discipleship today, never get here. We never get here. We're so obsessed in our, in our greatness and our egos and all of those things that we never get to our disciples actually doing and us helping, which is why many people just get bored. Mm. Whew. That'll preach. Okay. And then the last stage is that you're going to do and I'm going to watch. Oh, yeah. Look at that. That was butter. That was butter. All right. Go ahead. Have a seat. And so, and so this is the whole message. This is what Jesus' life was all about. On his way to the cross, when he's praying in the high priestly prayer, he says, I've completed everything that you gave me to do, Dad. I'm ready. Right? What had he done? He had made disciples. He had done while the disciples watched. He had done while the disciples helped feeding the 5,000. He had done, he, he had watched, uh, he had helped the disciples as they did. Step three. And it was getting close to the time to where Jesus was going to exit the scene and the disciples were going to do and Jesus would watch. And this was what the ministry of Jesus was all about and this was his plan for his church that we would model this. That true greatness would be found in people discipling one another in the things of God. Not in the things of politics, not in the things of masking, not in the things of music, not in the th none of those things, but in the things of God, in the things of faith, in the things of Scripture. And this was the whole point. And so Jesus, I mean, we've got to get this picture of what Jesus is doing in this discipleship discourse. Jesus is turning the value system of the world that these disciples lived in and that Jesus was walking in upside down. He was turning the value system upside down. This would have been radical and mind-blowing teaching for these disciples. And when we think about it, for us today... This teaching would have been radical. Let's read it. Uh, Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 30, going through 41. It says there, they went on from there, they passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. He's foretelling the crucifixion. And when he's killed, after three days, he will rise. He's foretelling of the resurrection. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. It, it, we, we see this in, in John 14, 15, the cross reference, where Jesus promises that he was going to resurrect and go and prepare a place for them. If it wasn't so, he, why would he have told them so? See, he's promising that his resurrection is for their benefit, that he's going to prepare a place for them in eternity. 
They didn't understand the saying, were afraid to ask him. You know what that's like, right? When, when, when you're out in the shop with somebody and they're teaching you how to do something and you don't quite understand it, so you're afraid to ask, and then you slam a nail right through your hand or something like that. Not that that's ever happened to me. Okay, anyway, verse 33. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. I'm so blessed that we've come such a long way from where the disciples were and what they were arguing about. Aren't you? Oh, man, what a blessing, right? They were arguing here about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child, which would have been a huge deal in this time, put him in the midst of them, and, and, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. We're going to talk about that. We're going to unpack that in just a few minutes. Verse 38, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for one who does a mighty work in my name will, will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. And so I want you to hone in a little bit uh, with me for just a moment on, on, on the saying there, if anyone would be first, must be last of all and servant of all. Now this is, again, flipping the value system of their culture upside down. Because everything was about power, everything was about prestige, everything was about name, right, reputation, all of those different things. You inherited all of that for, for most people. The children were, were outcast. And, and not to mention, in, uh, it, it, it wouldn't have been customary for a rabbi like Jesus, like they considered Jesus, to take a child into his arms, sit him in his lap and teach him. There was a process for that. There was a, there was a, there was a, a, a kind of an education for that that led up to those things. But Jesus is flipping the value system upside down, teaching this radical and mind-blowing things to the disciples, trying to get them to get it. That it wasn't about who was the greatest, but it was about the work of what Christ was about to do on the cross, and even bigger than that, resurrection. Ours is a world, and this is why I say that it's radical and mind-blowing even for us today, because ours is a world where everything is about me. Everything is about us. How it makes us feel, what it means to us. But here's the reality. Jesus died to free us from such slavery where everything's about me. Even though many of us don't see it as slavery, that's exactly what it is. Bound in the chains where everything is about you. Everything is about me. So I want us to take a look from this passage at three important truths that pave the way to true greatness. That if we can grab our mind, if we can grasp these three truths, it'll pave the way to true greatness for us. All of which begin in our mind and lead to concrete action. Man, it's good to be back with you this morning. 
Good to be back with you. The first truth is this. Obedience to the will of God. Obedience to the will of God. Obedience to the will of God. Jesus and the 12 disciples, it says here, passed through northeast Galilee, headed south toward Jerusalem, where Jesus would ultimately be crucified. We're here in Mark chapter 9, and Jesus is on his way, right? He's on the path. This is the last time that he's going to visit some of these places that he's visiting. His heart and mind were set to obey God, to obey God and his will. He must suffer many things, but nothing will stop him from fulfilling his destiny. He's got to suffer many things. Scripture says that he will suffer many things, but nothing's going to stop him from fulfilling his destiny. And he takes time to continue to teach to the twelve. And he teaches them a couple of things. The first is this, the importance of listening. He teaches them the importance of listening. Look at verses 30 and 31. He says, They went on from there, passed through Galilee. He didn't want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. And then I love verse 32. But they didn't understand what he was saying. Have you ever sat in that classroom where someone, some of you might be experiencing this right now, Right? Thank you for that hand. It's humbling. Right? But have you ever sat in a room where, where, the, where the person up teaching and presenting, they're super passionate, they're excited, they want you to get it, they want you to believe it, they want you to buy into it, they want you to grab onto it, they want you to put all your money into it. And you're just sitting there like, I don't get this. Right? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not picking up what you're, what you're laying down here. This would have been the disciples. Jesus is saying, listen, wow, just listen to me. Just listen to me. Put the pieces together. You know the teaching. You know the Old Testament teaching that promises a prophet, that promises someone's going to come and die on your behalf and be, be crucified and then raise and resurrect and go and prepare a place for you. And it's like the disciples would, the light bulb would go off at some point and say, oh, this is him. But it never does. And, and so the disciples didn't get it. So Jesus is trying to teach them the importance of listening. He wants to keep his movement secret. He wants to keep his movement secret, which, which if you're anything like me, I read that and I'm like, why? Why, so see, why the secrecy, right? But, but can you imagine? Can you imagine? Jesus, I mean, Jesus, they, they, they released the tour schedule, and after, after all the miracles and things that have happened and the healings that have happened, all the people that just show up at the next venue just waiting, just waiting, just waiting. I heard Brian Scalabrini was at the Civic Center yesterday, and I was like, man, I should drive down there and see if I can get a picture with the white mama, right? I mean, like, just, I mean, that even small thing. And, but imagine Jesus. Jesus and everything that he had done and and in order for him to in order for him to teach his disciples and to accomplish what he needed to accomplish before the cross they had to keep it secret otherwise they would have had all these crowds to 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 deal with and to be fair when it comes to the disciples and understanding we know today what they didn't then don't we as clear as we may think it would be we know today what they didn't then. I don't know about you, but when I watch Wheel of Fortune, I'm like, I could go on this thing. I could win this every time. <laughs> right? It's easy. 
Why are these people struggling? It's clearly the. <laughs> and then the person like, oh, I'm ready to solve it. And they solve it wrong. And you're like, ah! What are you doing? But if you put yourself in that pressure cooker of a situation, guess what? You probably say two as well instead of the. And it doesn't make sense. But you probably get it wrong as well. And, and we know now because we can read and we can hear the thousands of years of experience of people that have gone before us and the text right in front of us to know the end of the story, to know the completeness of the story. And yet we look at the disciples and like, dum-dums, come on. And these are the 12 that Jesus chose? We know now what they didn't. Sure, it was hard to fathom, but Jesus is trying to continually help them understand. And when he speaks, we need to listen. And when we know God's will for our lives, beyond the shadow of a doubt, he's made it super clear to us, like Jesus in this, that he was going to die on our behalf, be buried and resurrect, then we should obey. Why should we obey? Because God's plan is perfect. Because God's plan is perfect. Obedience to the will of God marks the road to true greatness. And the issue for many of us today is we're not even considering what the will of God may be. We're floating through life. We're going about day to day. We're doing what we think makes sense for us. Never once considering stopping and saying, God, what do you want me to do here? Is this, how, is this where you want me to be? Is this how you want me to live? Obedience to the will of God marks the road to true greatness. Truth number two. Service to others. Obedience to the will of God. Service to others. Jesus and his disciples arrive in Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. Look at 33 through 37. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you guys talking about on the way? What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, and I love this, here's the job description for the greatest. If anyone would be first, he must be last of all, and not only last, but servant of all. And then he goes a step further just to show them, like, if you've ever wondered if God's love could reach you because of who you've been in the past or because of your status or because of your age or because of your whatever, right? If you've ever wondered if the, look at this right here, because him taking the child is showing John three sixteen for God so loved the world. Who was the world? Anyone, all of us, everyone. For God so loved the world, and he takes this child showing, showing that everyone, everybody say everyone, everyone had access to him. Even the, even the children. Even the children. He took, takes the child, put him in the midst of them, taking him in his arms, said to them, embraced him. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me. But him who sent me, the one who sent him, God the Father, creator of all. 
So again, Jesus and the disciples arrive in Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. Beautiful picture. This will be Jesus' last visit here. And as he has done before, he gives more private teaching in this discipleship discourse to the 12 disciples. And in spite of all that he's taught them about self-denial, dying to self, like Dylan talked about last week, losing their lives for the sake of him, they still aspire to be sovereign and not servants. They're still aspiring to be the greatest. They're still arguing about who's the favorite. Instead of, servings, after, uh, uh, instead, of, instead of serving one another, instead of servants, after all the things that Jesus has already taught them, this is still their argument. They remain deaf to what he has said about the road to true greatness. Serving others out of an overflow of, I love this term, gospel gratitude had not sunk in yet. Serving out of an overflow of gospel Gratitude. There is enough joy in the gospel, the fact that you can be here freely, sitting here with a Bible open on your lap, listening with no threat for your life, and a promise of eternity in heaven to worship. That is enough gospel gratitude to beat any cup of coffee I could ever have. That's exciting. The fact that we can sit here and worship together and serve one another. I mean, there are prime people in this room that you can lay your life down for and serve. You don't, you don't have, I'm not, I'm not knocking it, I'm not knocking it. We're going to talk about one in a few minutes. I'm not knocking it. But you don't have to go overseas to lay your life down. You don't have to go on a mission trip to lay your life down. You can do it right here, today, before you leave. You can serve someone in this room that needs help. They won't tell you they need help. But you know, you can see it. This gospel gratitude has not sunk in yet. And in this, in this section of Scripture, these, these short verses, Jesus is teaching the disciples a couple things that we get a front row seat to. The first is this, that we must overcome the desires of pride. That we must overcome the desires of pride. Jesus confronts them about what they'd been talking about. They admit, big mistake, to debating with each other about who was the greatest. And matters of rank and recognition were huge in this day. Again, Jesus is flipping the cultural norm. But things haven't changed much. Pride and the cult of personality still arise all around us. And Jesus teaches that we must overcome the desires of pride. If anyone's going to be great among you, if anyone's going to be first, he must be last of all. And not, not only last, but servant of all. Proverbs 11.2 puts it this way, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is Wisdom. James 4, the half-brother of Jesus, 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. But gives grace to the humble. We must overcome the desires of pride that the disciples even, even argued about. Even argued about. Secondly, Jesus is teaching them that we must overcome. They kind of go hand in hand here. But we must overcome our desires for position. 
We must overcome our desires for permission. With a heart full of pride, pride comes a desire for position. If anyone be first, they should be last. I mean, Jesus is even, Jesus is even hitting them right where it hurts, right? That they're, that, they're, that they're striving for position. And he's saying, listen, if you're going to be first, you're going to be last. Jesus refine, he redefines this. He redefines greatness. Be great in the things that matter to God and not man. Be great in the things that matter to God and not man. Plato said, how can one be happy when they have to serve someone? Jesus says you will only find real and lasting joy when you serve someone. Not because you have to, but because you get to and, and even want to. Want to. Jesus does say there is a position you should aspire to obtain. This is important. I want all of you to get this. Jesus says there is a, there is a position that you should aspire to obtain. This is consistent all throughout the Gospels, even in the book of Acts chapter 6. We see this. The, the, the position that we should aspire to obtain is a waiter of tables. A bus person. The dishwasher. Someone that washes others' feet. Their work is not glorious in man's eyes, but great in God's. If we ever want to be more and more like Jesus, how are we serving the least of these? One of the first leadership lessons I ever learned as a, as a, as a pastor, I was in New York City. I was, um, I was serving with, with my pastor at the time and, and, and our worship pastor. The three of us were in New York City. We were selling resources at a conference. And uh, it, was a, it was a two or three day conference and, um, and, and I had never been to New York City. And so I was excited about that. Um, and, and, uh, and, and just kind of there for, for the experience of, of, of what this was going to be. I was still in school. I hadn't graduated yet. I had been, a full, I had been in full-time ministry for about five days. And I had arrived. And, and, it, and, 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 and just was floating. On, it, was just, it just felt amazing, right? I've been in ministry for, full-time ministry for five days. Still had a semester left of school, been married for six or seven months, just come home from Israel and experienced all that that had to offer, like nothing was going to get me down. It was amazing. And now we're in New York City. We even flew JetBlue, so I had extra leg room <laughs> and TV the whole way, right? It was just perfect. We landed in New York City. We go to the venue. We set up the, 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 the booth where we're going to be selling resources for the next couple of days. And we go back to the hotel. And uh, our pastor comes into the room where Brandon, uh, the other pastor and I were staying. And he says, I want, I want to tell you guys something. He said, I did the most important thing I could have done today. And I just feel great about it. And Brandon and I were like, whoa, what did Jimmy do? He said, I carried Nelson's bags for him. And he said, my prayer for the two of you is that you're never too big for your britches. That's something we say in the South. <laughs> too big for, right? That you never have a, too big of a head to carry someone else's bags for them. He said, that's the mark of greatness. I kid you not. I'll never forget it. And, I hotel, and, so, and so Brandon and I, for the rest of the time we were in New York City, we kept competing to be the first to carry Jimmy's bag for him. 
We wanted to be, we wanted to be the, we wanted to be the one, right? We wanted to be the one where it became a competition. Like I'm throwing elbows. Two hours before we're leaving the venue, I picked Jimmy's bag up and just have it over my shoulder. And Jimmy's like, what are you doing? I'm ready to go. Just whenever you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to serve you. I've got your bag for you, right? It redefines greatness if you think about it. That greatness is defined as someone who is so eager to serve another. No matter what that looks like. Carrying someone's bags, washing their feet, waiting their table. We must overcome our desires for permission. That's what Jesus is teaching here about being great. Secondly, we must overcome the desires for prominence for prominence. Prominence is a word that means fame or celebrity, that we want to be great, that we want everybody to know our name. We want everybody to know who we are. And Jesus is saying here in verses 36 and 37, treat well those who have no standing in this world. And and picking up the child and wrapping his arms around this child, what a beautiful picture. What he's saying here is to treat those well who have no standing in this world. Children, lepers, mentally impaired, physically disabled, etc. And you will receive an audience with my Father. You want to be great? You want to be in the presence of God? Treat well those that society looks down on. Who don't have a shot who feel as though they're damaged. Jesus is saying, treat well those. And ultimately, Jesus is pointing the way to true greatness. Die to self. Serve others. Care for those no one else cares for. The way up is down. The way to get is to give. The way to be first is to be last. The way, this is the way of Jesus. And the way of true greatness. And you know what you have to be okay with in this? People may never know your name. People may never know your name. People will betray you because you're easy. People will walk all over you. They will promise loyalty and they will stab you in the back almost as easily. I know this. I'm not asking for sympathy. I'm just telling you what you're signing up for to be a disciple of Jesus. It's worth it. Oh man, it's worth it. But I know this firsthand. My wife and I have had 11 years of it. Two really fun years in COVID (laughs) of betrayal after betrayal after betrayal. And after every one, I sit and I think, man, this stinks. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And I look at my wife and she's like, strapping up those boots like a true Mainer. And she's like, let's go. God's not through with us yet. And I remind myself, you know what? I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't quit after betrayal. Mm -hmm. 
And he even says, he even looks at his disciples as part of, as part of their discipleship and says, look, they hate me. They're going to hate you. Come to church next Sunday. <laughs> they stab me in the back. They're going to stab you in the back. That's part of it. They walk all over me. They're going to stomp all over you. But you get an audience with daddy. You get an audience with my father who designed you, who created you, who knew from the very beginning what you were going to experience and calls you beloved. You may not belong here. Things will never feel comfortable here. That's okay. You belong in my house. You belong in my kingdom. That's why I am. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm so off my transcript right now. It's not funny. <laughs> Listen. That's why I'm so passionate about this gathering. You're not meant to feel at home outside of these walls. It's not, it's not the goal. It's not, it's not the point. That's not the point. But my prayer and my goal on Sunday mornings for you is that when you walk in here, this feels like home. This feels like a place where you can take off the mask. Maybe next week. Okay. I'm talking about the, the spirit, the, the, perver the, the other one. The other one. Right? Just to, okay. Right? Like, I, I, I pray that this is a place where you can come and be you and be known, and be loved, be cared for. That's why I'm so passionate about this. That's why I'm so passionate about the body of Christ being the body of Christ. All right, let's try to get back on the transcript and land this plane. What do you say? The third truth this one will be quick. Faithfulness to Jesus. Obedience to the will of God. First truth. Um, service to others. Second truth. Third truth. Faithfulness to Jesus. We're probably up there. Yes. Good job, Rob. Okay. Faithfulness to Jesus. Other, other, otherwise put a loyalty to Jesus. I was reading a commentary this week that said this. The ideal missionary must have four passions. The ideal missionary must have four passions. I would replace the word missionary with disciple. Okay, that the ideal disciple, the ideal missionary must have four passions. A passion for truth. Because when you have a passion for truth, you have a passion for the word of God. Because this is the only place you can find that. A passion for truth. Secondly, a passion for Jesus. Just the, the, the gospel gratitude, right? The fact that Jesus came on my behalf. He died so that I could have life and have it abundantly. So that there's a hope. That's what separates us from any other religions. The hope that we have in eternity in the kingdom of heaven, right? A passion for Jesus and the work of him on the cross. A passion, the third one, for people for souls, to people to, for people to join us. I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago when I was in Nashville. I was so inspired by Pastor Jeremy that said, we want to make it hard to get to hell from Middle Tennessee. I was like, yeah, Summit, let's go. Let's make it hard to get to hell from Southern Maine, right? A passion for people to know Jesus and to spend eternity with me, even if you do wear a giant's hat <laughs> to church on Sunday morning. Right? But a passion for souls. A pa because that's not going to matter in the kingdom of heaven. And then lastly, lastly, the ideal missionary, the ideal disciple, 
a passion for truth, a passion for Jesus, a passion for people, and, and, and specifically the souls of people. Uh, lastly, a passion for self-sacrificing. A passion to lay your life down. A passion to do things with, with, with no credit. I'm, I'm looking out. I, I see some heroes in that. I see some self-sacrificing heroes in this room. Praise God for you. A passion for self-sacrificing. That's a faithfulness to Jesus. What matters is that Jesus is being shared. We get so wrapped up, and hear this, we get so wrapped up in being critical of, of others' methods that we take our eyes off of the mission of Jesus and the task at hand. Faithfulness to Jesus, hear this, hear this, hear this. This is so important for us today. Faithfulness to Jesus will lead us to applaud and to celebrate those on God's team. To applaud and to celebrate those on God's team, even if they are doing it differently than us. Even if they are preaching differently than us. Even if they are, 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 are doing a, a different method and, and all those different things, and we just sit and say, you know what, that's not for me. It's okay. They're still on the team. They're still on the team. I was so blessed walking into men's breakfast yesterday. We had like 13 guys, which is pastor numbers. We had about 150 guys <laughs> that came that were a part of a, a, a bike club. Is that bike gang? Ministry, bike ministry. But they had the vest and the chain wallets and the boots strapped up and beards like down to here. Oh man, we had a men's breakfast. Right? And their conviction, their ministry, the president's name is Ice. I've never been so scared at a men's breakfast for my life. Right? I love these guys. I'm so proud. Like, and, 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 and they came and, and talked and, and they said, our, mini, our ministry, our ministry is to go and to share with all these other biker gangs the love of Jesus. That's our passion. And so they left men's breakfast yesterday and they went for the rest of the day and did knife defense training because they're really immersing themselves in that culture. Betsy, that's not for me. It's not for me. But I celebrate ice and Nintendo, and that was one of the guys' names, Nintendo, and, 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 and the other guys that, that Steve, they, they were really bumming you weren't there. Um, uh, and, and, and I celebrate those guys. That's a different method, but man, we need those guys that have a passion for that community. Because I, 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 I wanted one of their, their vests, they call them cuts. And I was like, do you have to own a motorcycle to get one of those? And he's like, Yeah. <laughs> I said, so I'm out. And he said, yeah. Yeah, you're out. Stick to the basketball court, pal. We applaud and celebrate those that are on the same team but may have different methods. We applaud and we celebrate those that when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, we're going to worship in eternity with. But we may do it differently this side of heaven. That's okay. The enemy is going to cause enough division in the kingdom of heaven that we don't have to help him. 
We don't have to help them. And so celebrate what God's doing over at East Point Christian Church. Celebrate what God's doing at Galilee Baptist. Celebrate what God's doing at Coastal. Celebrate what God's doing at Cressy. Celebrate what God's doing at Life Church. Celebrate what God's doing at The Rock. Celebrate what God's doing. You get the picture. New life. Celebrate, 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 and applaud them. You don't have to go on Sunday. You stay right here. <laughs> we don't share. But celebrate and applaud. That was, that was bad. Celebrate and applaud what God's doing. That's the kingdom of heaven. So here's my questions. Three of them. Worship team, you can go ahead and come. Three things for us as disciples to consider for greatness. Number one, obedience. So here's how I want you to consider these things, right? And the truths I want you to consider. Obedience, faithfulness, and service, okay? Obedience, service, faithfulness. When it comes to obedience, the question I want to ask you this morning is where are you struggling to say yes to God? Where are you struggling to say yes to God? Where are you struggling to say yes to God? And are you willing to turn to Him and say, okay, God, open-handed, here I am. Here I am. I say yes to you. It doesn't make sense. I'm scared out of my mind. I don't know how this is going to work. But here I am. I say yes to you. And I want to ask you, disciple, where are you having a hard time saying yes to God? Secondly, when it comes to service, my question is simply this. We just did a big push for serving, and we had, like, we had a few people sign up. I don't, I don't even know, know the numbers. I haven't looked at the sign-up sheets yet. I know the team has. This isn't, a, this isn't a push for that. This isn't a sales pitch for that. My question for you in relation to our text this morning is how are you laying your life down for God to use you? And I want, I want you to hear that question. How are you laying your life down for God to use you? What sacrifice are you making for the kingdom of heaven today? What sacrifice are you making for the kingdom of heaven today? How are you allowing God to use you in those ways? And number three, when it comes to faithfulness, I don't know any other way to ask this. I wrestled with God over this the other day. How's your grit? How's your grit? How's your fight? See, this is why we need this. This is why we need the body of Christ. This is why Couch Church doesn't cut it. To help us and encourage us to stay in the fight. To keep going. To not take your eyes off the mission. To not lose heart as hard as it gets. Because again, Jesus promised hard but to stay in it, to stay in it, and to keep going, to keep fighting, to keep serving, to stay faithful. Jesus, in the garden, even said to, to Father God, Daddy, take this cup. I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing, but take this cup. 
Right? Jesus even had moments where he's, he needed the encouragement of the Father to keep him focused on the task at hand and what was coming. It must have been so hard for these 12 disciples to grasp where Jesus was coming from. But we know what's coming. We don't know when, but we know what's coming. And so my challenge for you this morning, how's your obedience? Where are you struggling to say yes to God? How are you laying your life down for the sake of the gospel for others? And are you staying faithful? Are you staying faithful to the mission, to the task at hand? I was... um. I was, sitting, I was thinking this week, and uh, I, I want to close with this. I was thinking this week, what do you do when you're struggling? What do you do when you're struggling? What, are you, what do you do when you're, when you're having a hard time seeing purpose? When something keeps rising and, you, and, you, and you're just having a hard time. And I, I had this realization, I shared it at men's breakfast yesterday. You know who the most important person to preach the gospel to is? The most important person for you to remind of the good news of Jesus is you. Remind yourself of the goodness of God. When He feels like He is light years away, when, when it feels like your prayers aren't hitting the ceiling, when betrayal has struck again, when you don't want to be here anymore, Remind yourself. When you think you're damaged and useless in the body of Christ, when you think you're too old to serve, remind yourself of the promises of God. Remind yourself that Jesus came when He came and when He promised His disciples, He was promising you. That if you're a believer in Christ this morning, He considers you a beloved. This is our associate pastor that's going through the aisles and laying hands on people right now that just need a touch. That just need a touch from God. That's right, Jonathan. Stay faithful, man. Be obedient. Be obedient. He's staring them down. He knows. He knows. There's something there, right? There's something there. We'll be on TV next week. Uh, Preach the gospel to yourself. Stay faithful. Can I pray for you? God, I, I pray today. God, very, very, very simply, I, I pray for a desperation for you. I pray that you break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, that we would have, that we would be, that we would strive to be those disciples, those ideal disciples, those ideal missionaries that have a passion for truth, that have a passion for your son Jesus, that have a passion for people, and more specifically, people knowing you, and a passion for laying our lives down for your sake. God, forgive us for the times when we fool ourselves that this is all for us. This is all about us. God, remind us today that the joke's on us, that this is all for you. This is all about you. Not even in building a building, we're building it for you to use for the, for the kingdom to grow and expand. 
God, we don't want to be a church that's about a building, but we need a tool to do your work. God, this isn't about a pastor. This isn't about a staff. This isn't about anything. God, this is about you, your glory, because without you, we are nothing. And so I pray that you remind us today of what matters. In Jesus' name.